you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. continue with running yellow lights today and we're going to talk about avoiding the wreck today. I want to give you a warning. I'm going to take a little more of a teacher type of a posture today instead of a preacher screaming at you. I may scream at you, but that's just because it's normal. And so I may, but I want you to get, if you're a pen and paper kind of guy or girl, get your notes together, whatever. But we're going to jump into how to avoid the wrecks is what we're going to talk about. As I was thinking about wrecks, I was thinking about different things that happen with wrecks. People don't pay attention. Uh, the warning signs are there, but they get distracted. Whether you, you're driving down the road and you get distracted by changing your red radio or your GPS, you know, GPS, your GPS doesn't give you the right directions or you're talking to somebody or, or maybe you get distracted on your phone. Somebody almost ran me over the other day on their phone. They were all in my lane and I wasn't, well, I just blessed them. Bless you. Get on your, anyway, but see all the warning signs are there and all the yellow lights are there. The caution flags are there. The blinking lights are there for us. All the warning signs are there, but a lot of times we get distracted. Something else gets our attention, and then an accident happens. See, there are yellow lights and warning signs God established for us through his word to help us avoid the wreck. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, here this portion, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that you give it to us to give us life. Father, I pray right now as we we dive into your word, it becomes life to us and help us be different as we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. See, yellow lights are warning signs, and yellow lights tells you that there's a potential danger coming up. It's up ahead of us, and that you need to be alert. You need to be cautious. You need to start being more aware of what's going on. And running yellow lights are not only dangerous for you, but it's dangerous for the passenger that's with you. And it's not only dangerous for you and the passenger that's with you, but it's dangerous for the other vehicle. Running yellow lights is dangerous for everyone. This is the same thing in our spiritual walk. If we do not pay attention to the yellow lights in our life, we're definitely going to be headed to a crash. See, as Jesus was asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? He said, you can hang everything on these two things. Love the God, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second one is just like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to dive into warning signs that he gave us, which is the Ten Commandments. So you can go to the book of Exodus, and before you go, oh my gosh, we're going to go through all ten of those. We're not getting out of here today. We're going to go through all ten of those, but we will get out of here today. Eventually. No, I'm just kidding. 
So if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 20, but there's some things, natural warning lights that he's already given us in his word. And so I just want to dive into that. And so the Ten Commandments can actually be broken into two different categories. The first four are your relationship with God, and the last six is our relationship with others. If you look at the Ten Commandments, that's how it's broken in. Our relationship with him and our relationship with others. That's the reason Jesus was able to say, I'm laying all of these commandments, and the prophets are all resting on these two things right here. You follow me today? See today, but I don't want you to think as the Ten Commandments as do's and don'ts. I don't I want you to get that out of your mind. I don't want you to think that these are do's and don'ts. I can't do this. I can't do that. What I want you to think more of this, they are warning signs. They are yellow lights that will help you avoid the wreck. And so how do these apply to my life? So I want to jump into that. So your first commandment is this, Exodus chapter 20, verse three says this, you shall have no other gods before me. See, God is a God of relationship. He created you and me to have relationship with him. That's what he created us for. He didn't create us to have relationship with any other gods. He didn't create us. He said, I want to be first in your life. If I ask you today to write down a list, and I want you to be honest, write down the list, be very reflective of what's first in your life. How does it categorize? If you say God's always number one in my life, if I ask you to write down a second list would be what is your habits in your life? See, here's the thing. Our habits reflect our priorities, which reflects what's in our heart. Got quiet real quick. So throughout the Bible, God tells us first is first. I want to be the first in your money. I want to be the first, bring the first lamb, bring the first fruits, bring the first everything. Your first is everything. He wants to be the very first thing in your life. And your heart, what you do, your habits reflect what's first in your life. You may make the excuse, well, I have to go to work. Mm, Do you really? Is he first? Is he first in your life? And he will provide everything that you need. Yes, go to work. Don't be lazy. But you understand what I'm saying today? So to avoid the wreck of placing other things before God, keep him first in everything. That's first commandment. Second commandment's this. And I'm going to, I wish we had like a couple of weeks to unpack these because these are so good. But today I just want to give you kind of a, a broad view of what the Ten Commandments are looking like for your life and for my life, how it helps us. So the second commandment is this, Exodus chapter 20. It says, you should not make for yourself any image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. See, an idol is anything that is created in the image of or a representation of a God, small God, that's used to be worshipped. Anything that's an idol, an idol is something that distracts a person from God, big G. That's what an idol, anything that distracts you from the big G, that is an idol. To, to help us better understand this, and, and, and if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you can see the Ten Commandments there also. But, but what was happening is God was telling Moses on the hill, and he was telling the Israelites that, hey, listen, don't get into worshiping the, these other gods. The land that you're going to, they're gonna be, they have lots of idol worship. The Canaanites have so many. They have the, 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 the idols of fertility, the idols of, of crops. They have the idols. They have an idol for an idol on top of an idol. You know what I mean? They have an idol for rain to go make it rain. They have all these kind of things, but God said, don't do it. I'm your deliverer. I am your God. That's what he's saying to you and to me today. I am your God. God was telling the Israelites, I brought you out of that captivity. I brought you out. He brought you out of captivity. He brought me out of captivity when he forgave our sins. 
Why do we keep running back to the captivity? That's exactly what the Israelites did. Here Moses is up on the mountain and he's talking to God and God's giving him these 10 commandments and they're down there getting gold together, making two golden idols, saying that that's what brought them out of Egypt. Really? Exodus 20 and verse 4, it says, You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. See, Jesus even faced this very thing. He faced this very thing. If you go, if you look in Luke chapter 4, there's a place where Jesus is, temp- Jesus is being tempted by Satan, and Satan takes him up to a high place, and he shows him all the kingdoms and all everything out there, uh, everything that he could see. He leads him up there, and this is what the Satan says to him. I will give you all the authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to, if you'll just worship me. It all will be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, the devil will give you all. He'll give you everything. He will give you, he, he will try to give you everything, make you think that you're getting everything. But the, pro, the problem with this, the issue with that is the devil's promised you something he has no ownership over. See, the devil tries to attempt to get our attention by using some things that invites your affection and passion. He tries to bring you in. He tries to get those things that invite you into something that you're affectionate about or passionate about. And that's what he tries to draw you in to make these other small eyes, these idols, or these small G's and gods. He tries to draw you into it. But here's the problem. He has no ownership of nothing. But as soon as you drive, get into there, and as soon as you give him his, his way, guess what? You become a slave to that idol. Because Jesus himself said right here, worship the Lord your God with all your heart. He said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him only. Why would he say serve him only? Because as soon as you, uh, as soon as you give in to what the devil says, you're beginning to serve the other idols. You can avoid the wreck by answering just like Jesus did. Hmm, devil. I'm not going to have any other idols. No other small G's. Because I'm going to worship the Lord your God, and I'm serving him only. That's how we avoid the wreck. The third commandment is this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And it says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So many times when we think about the scripture or we see this commandment right here, we think of somebody using OMG or GD. We, we think about it that way. We think about using profanity, which absolutely, here's the thing, profanity, you should not be using those things, God's name in vain, because what profanity, the root word, actually, a profanity is profane, and what that means is common. And our God is anything but common. He's anything but common. His name is Holy. That's who he is. He is holy. Even in the Lord's Prayer, when we see Jesus looking at it, the Lord's Prayer, he said, hallowed be your name. So what he said is, holy be your name. That's how he looked at it. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard someone, someone says somebody's name and you go, that's not a very good person. You ever heard that? You bunch of judges. Um, anyway, so I just roped y'all right into that one. But see, What they're really talking about is not that person's name on their birth certificate. What they're actually talking about is that person's character. That's what they're actually talking about, that person's reputation. 
They're actually not talking about that name that's on a birth certificate. My father-in-law told me years ago, he said, all you have is one thing in this life, and it's your name. But what he was really meaning is all I have in this life is my character. All I have in this life is my reputation. When someone says your name, what does it mean? So my question for you today, maybe you don't go around using the Lord's name in vain inappropriately as profanity. But are our, are our lives misusing his name? If you're a Christian, which is representing Christ and the Father, his name should be living inside of you. When people look at you and they know that you're a Christian, can they tell that you're a Christ follower, a Christian? Can they tell you any different from you in the world? Are we misusing his name in that way? See, you and I, as believers, have his name stamped on us. That's why we're not to misuse his name. We are to represent the holy of holies. I didn't say be perfect. I said represent the holy of holies. 1 Peter 1 and verse 15 and 16 says this, but just as he called you, just, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. He didn't say be perfect. You need to walk out trying to be like him, to be holy, to be pure, to get away from the sins. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is holy. Don't misuse his name. So many more areas I want to go there, but I just want to give you a synopsis of the, the commandments. I wish we could jump a little further than that because a lot of people go around saying God says. Mm, I'm not going to say God says anything. I ain't, putting my, I ain't putting no words in his mouth. Be careful what you say. Anyway, to avoid the wreck, strive to live a holy life because he is holy. Strive to live a holy life because he is holy. The fourth commandment is this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In Deuteronomy, it uses the term observe the, the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the difference was is because they had come out of captivity and the Lord wanted them to remember, you know what? I brought you out of captivity. Observe that day. There's so much more with remember the Sabbath. But here's what I'm telling you. Get refreshed and rejuvenated every Sabbath. When you come in here, worship everything you got. Give everything you got because that is a rest and a pouring in that will happen to you. That that's how you remember the Sabbath day. See, many people in our culture right now, in our Christian world, remember the Sabbath day is not coming to church. It's going to the lake. <sighs> Waiting for the game to come on. So many different things. But that's not what it meant. It's not what he's talking about when he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Is not what he meant whatsoever. I wish I could dive farther into it and pack it for you. But I just want you to know, on the Sabbath day, when you come in, come in to worship. And when you come in to worship, give it your all because you're going to be refreshed and rejuvenated. See, that's what happens on the seventh day. That's when you read the Old Testament, there's a time where the land stops getting tilled up because it's got to refresh or rejuvenate itself. And so it's, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. <laughs> so to avoid the wreck, remember. Don't just remember, but observe. Observe the Sabbath day. The fifth commandment is this. Honor your father and mother. It's Exodus chapter 12. Um, Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. <laughs> Has anybody ever disrespected your mom and dad and they killed you, brought you back to life and killed you again? Anybody? 
That's how they beat me and they brought me back and beat me again. That's, see, that happens in some people's life. Y'all didn't have those kind of parents, then y'all missed out on that one. See, when we learn and develop how to honor, it extends our life. See, the difference between, there's a difference between honor and respect. Honor is given, respect is earned. See, not only when we demonstrate honor in our lives does it extend our lives, but blessings flow in our lives when we give honor. Deuteronomy 5 and 16, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. Ephesians 6 and 1 says this, children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That's the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. All the parents and grandparents are going, amen. I wish I brought my kid today. Hallelujah. Bring them on. But I want to ask you this. Let's look at a different scripture when it comes to this one. Romans 12 and 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Got quiet real quick. See, when we honor one another in love, then love is demonstrated and blessings flow. When we begin to honor one another... Love is demonstrated and blessings, blessings begin to flow. This is when people who know that you're a Christ follower because you're giving honor to people. You say, well, they don't deserve it. They deserve it. Give honor. When you honor someone, blessings flow. There's so much more with this too. Man, I just wish I had like, if we had a couple hours, we'd just get real giddy with it. But, but when you honor someone, blessings begin. Not only in this saying my life will be extended, but also blessings will flow. When we look when they gave honor, people started flourishing. Crops started having more, producing more. There was wealth that came up because honor was there. So to avoid the wreck by demonstrating honor, because when you do, you remain humble and pride doesn't take hold. That's how you avoid the wreck, when you're giving somebody honor. Because here's the thing, if I give somebody honor and I can remain, and it may, helps me remain humble, I don't think myself more hotly than I should, or higher than I should, right? It keeps pride from getting in. Well, you deserve. That's what people say all the time. I, you get respect, I give you respect if you get respect. But what, what, what? That's not even a biblical foundation. Yeah, I got quiet, man. Let's move to the sixth commandment. How about that? You should not murder. Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. I'm not worried about any of you going, going out of here, and I, hopefully not, going out of here and going to murder somebody. But let's take a look at the condition of the heart. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat, will eat its fruits. So maybe there's not a physical murdering that's happening. Maybe you're murdering somebody's character. Maybe you're murdering somebody's reputation. 1 John 3 and 15 says, Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. I didn't say that. That's New Testament. If you have hate in your heart, you don't have eternal life in your heart. See, there's steps that goes before, there's things that happen before you get to that place of murder. And you can look at this in the scripture and say, murder, before murder happens, hate happens. Before hate happens, anger happens. You got to get really angry to get hate to end up to get to murder. We can see the examples of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. You can look at that. Cain became angry at Abel. 
which led to hate, which led to murder. Do you know somebody, and don't elbow them if they're in here with you, do you know somebody that has a tendency of staying angry, blowing up all the time? Don't point, it's rude. Here's why they blow up. They have an unresolved anger. See, anger is preceded by offense. Just like murder is preceded by hate, hate's preceded by anger, anger is preceded by offense. Offense is an unfulfilled expectation that you've placed on either yourself or someone else that they didn't live up to. But the way to conquer that is simple forgiveness. Forgiveness is what will lead us to love. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely you give. You and I have received forgiveness of the Father. We are to give forgiveness. If you're having a problem forgiving, you can't demonstrate forgiveness. See, forgiveness, and I want you to hear, if you don't hear anything I said to you today, I want you to hear this well. Forgiveness is not an option for us as believers. It is not an option. Matthew 6 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other, their, others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's all in red, and Jesus said. You avoid the wreck by being quick to forgive. Thou shalt not murder, do forgiveness. If you forgive, it will not build up. Seventh commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. You should not commit adultery. We live in a sexual perverse society right now. It is horrible. And honestly, the church needs to have conversations about it, but I can't get you to take your kids to kids' church, so I can't talk too much about it. Never mind, I'm sorry. Sorry, I meddled. I'm sorry, I meddled. I meddled. It's like talking about a, a, a Dallas Cowboy jersey. Anyway, uh, so I know, I know, I know. See, we need to start talking in the church about sexual issues to help us keep a healthy relationship with God and with our spouses. That's what we need to do. it Because the devil's talking to the world, and the world's talking to the church, and the church ain't doing nothing about it to equip its saints of how to happen. But your seventh, your seventh commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, flee from sexual immorality. Did you hear that? Period. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this one short, but I want you to realize a sexual sin affects the body, the mind, and the spirit. See, adultery or a sexual sin doesn't just happen. Things lead up to that before you cross the line. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28 says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in, her, in his heart. Let me explain to you this. Before adultery or a sexual sin takes place, the act of it takes place, lust takes place. And before lust takes place, a look takes place. See, we can, look at the, we can look at the scripture and understand what this means because Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph. David looked at Bathsheba. 
So he looked at her, then lust took place, then the adultery took place. See, a look happens. In Job 31 and 1, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. If you're married, you've entered into a covenant with your spouse and with God. If you're single, you need to find somebody to make a covenant with as far as a, a man or a woman, a partner, a brother or a sister to make a covenant to say, man, keep me accountable. Yeah, we didn't like that one, did we? 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. How do you avoid the wreck? You make yourself accountable to a brother or sister in Christ if you're single and if you're married. You got issues, you got to be honest about it. The Eighth Commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, it says, you shall not steal. See, here's what stealing says. It says this, I don't trust, God, I don't trust you to provide for me and my family. That's what it says. Psalms 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world in, in it, the world and all who live in it. They are all the Lord. Is that what it says, Psalms 24.1? So if you steal, aren't you stealing from the Lord? Do you know who a thief is? And I'm not talking about possessions. I'm talking about your time off your time clock at work even. That extra break, that bathroom time that gets to you with you're on your playing Candy Crush while you're in your bathroom, but you're supposed to be going to the bathroom. I'm, look, let's just meddle it all today. I mean, you're stealing. And we know who the thief is. John 10 and 10 says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. You being a thief will kill you and it will destroy you. You're keeping company with the devil if you're a thief. Ephesians 4 and 28 says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. They may have. He said that they may have something to share with those in need. You move from being a thief to being a, and a taker to being a giver. You move from being a consumer to being a contributor. You may be sitting here today and go, well, I don't steal. I don't steal at all. I got food for thought for you, which you should know what's coming. Do you bring your tithes into his storehouse? Yeah, they were like, there we go. Down that, there we didn't took that avenue. Always comes back to money because that's what's got you trapped. Malachi 3 and 8 said, God asks and answers. He, God, they ask God and God answers the question. They ask God, how do we rob from you? And God says to them, how do you rob from me? You don't bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Period. I didn't say it. God said it. Here's my thing. I want y'all, this ain't going to be popular. I could care less if y'all gave. I could. I'm walking in my blessing because I'm a giver. That's your choice. If you want to be a giver and be, a bless, be blessed, if you want to honor his word, because his word said he would, he would pour out more than you could even handle. But you've got to get past yourself first. So anything that you're keeping, so who are you stealing from? We said everything belongs to God. So as long as you're keeping it, your tithes and your offering, you go, I don't have the, I get my bills, my bill. I understand that, but do you trust God? We all have them. Do we touch, trust God? And so this is how we avoid the wreck. We avoid the wreck by living a generous life. 
have ownership of nothing, but take the posture of a stewardship of everything. Have ownership of nothing, but take posture of stewarding everything. Because we are not supposed to be making it up here. We're supposed to be going there. The ninth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, it says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Sometimes we quote this one as thou should not lie, which is the same, it's in scenario the same thing. You shouldn't be lying. But see, your neighbor is not just the person that lives next to you. Your, your neighbor is the person you come in contact with. And I can tell you that through, the, through Matthew. There's, uh, through Jesus tells a story of a good Samaritan. And there was a guy who was on a journey, and he was walking on a road. And he came by somebody in need, and he helped that person in need. That Samaritan helped the person in need. And guess what? Jesus said, guess what? That's your neighbor. See, this commandment really sets us up for honesty is what it does. Don't give a false testimony. Have you ever heard, do you testify to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Have you heard that one before? See, here's the thing. Honesty and truth are so important in our lives. Here's a quick question for you. Have you ever come across those people who make excuses? It's everyone else's fault. They did nothing wrong. Or they exaggerate a story. I caught a fish, and it was this big, but really it was like a guppy, you know. Or they put a spin on it to help benefit themselves. Well, they're liars. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Don't, I'm not judging them. See, the problem about becoming honest and vulnerable is so many people haven't been healed from their past, so they don't want to face their present. James 5 and 6 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I want you to hear that. The prayer of a righteous person is a powerful and effective. We always quote that person, but that was part of the scripture, but we don't quote the other part, the other part of it. This, is where we can, this isn't so we can have the latest gossip. This is so that we might be healed. See, what honesty does, it brings freedom, and freedom brings healing in our life. When you are not truthful and when you lie, you establish deceit in your life. And when you establish deceit in your life, you have to continue to make up lies to cover the other lie to cover the other lie. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been there? I can say amen. So I've, had to, I've done that before. So Psalms 32, verses 1 through 4, David tells us that being deceitful is a heavy weight. It was so heavy on his soul. So to avoid the wreck by living a lifestyle of honesty and truthfulness, which brings deliverance and healing to your life. That's how you avoid the wreck, by living a lifestyle of honesty and truthfulness, which brings deliverance and healing. Number 10. And it's not even lunchtime. Look at you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says this. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your, to your neighbor. See, coveting is not desiring for better. That's okay. If you went to somebody's house today, you went to visit them and you saw their furniture, you were like, hey, I like their furniture. I wouldn't mind having that. That's not coveting. You starting to carry the furniture out of their house, that's coveting. Totally different. Totally different right there. See, coveting causes us to resent God and others because God is providing for someone else and not providing for us. See, Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. 
If you read it in the NIV, it uses the word greed. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Many times we get caught up in this race of life, getting, 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 getting everything we can because it makes us, have, makes us feel like we're somebody, but all it's really doing is putting a false identity inside of us and collecting us and holding us to this world because this is not our home. Heaven is. It's having us walk in that false identity. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, a covetous, an idolater, a railer, a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such and no one know not to eat. In other words, don't be hanging out with those folks. Colossians 3 and 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he lists, lists them, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed or covetedness, which is idolatry. All of those come back. Covetedness and greed come back to idolatry. If you covet something, you will exchange God for it. If you have a relationship or a house or you want a position or a promotion, you, you, you exchange God for that because you have such a desire. You're coveting it. You'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. Once you begin to covet something, you begin to have a strong desire when it doesn't belong to you or it has been given to you and it becomes an idol to you. Avoid the wreck by overcoming the power of the covet with contentment. Whatever God has given you, be satisfied in your soul, be satisfied in your mind, be satisfied in your heart. Psalms 37.4 says this, when we take delight in the Lord, that, that, that really means, Psalms 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What that actually means is I'll take delight in him, I will trust in him. These are warning signs in the top 10 commandments, that 10 commandments he's given us, these are warning signs. I just want to leave you with this today, and it says 1 Corinthians, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He gave you warning signs. God never leaves us without warning signs. The question is, is what do we do with those yellow lights? I want to say to you today, and if you've broken one of these Ten Commandments, you know what? We serve a God of grace and forgiveness. Amen. He is quick to forgive us. In Luke chapter 10, the same story that we started with when Jesus said, when they asked Jesus, what are the greatest commandment? We read that in Matthew, but in Luke, the same question is asked, and it's asked of Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, he asked, what must I do? This man come up and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's how we have eternal life, and we keep focused in heaven. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week and we'll see you here next Sunday.
Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.